This is Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're talking about we're talking about your Hornets every day. I'm Doug Branson. We are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA beautiful uptown Charlotte. I cover the team for fanragsports.com. I'm joined by my co-host, David Walker. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for at thehive.com. David. We are counting down our, our final few shows here as host of Locked On Hornets before the great Walker Mail from ESPN 730 takes over next week. We're going to relive some great show memories over the next two episodes. Are you excited? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I am. I'm excited, and I'm grateful, and I feel honored that we've received so many nice notes over the past two days, Doug, from folks that have listened and that have enjoyed and that will some that will even miss us, believe it or not. So thanks to everybody for reaching out. Oh, it's been crazy. Rich, uh, Rich from across the pond, Tony, Joe, uh, who else? Uh, Danny on the chat. We've got Panthers Mafia, who's been listening to this show basically since the very, very beginning. Uh, the British Buzz sent us some nice notes. Uh, ben, Jeff, Josiah, J Dog, of course, has sent us a couple of notes. Of course. And uh, Mike Kelly. A big fan of the show. He's been here for a few years now, sending us a great uh, note here. Going to miss listening to Doug and David on a daily basis. You guys have a great way of talking about the Hornets like I would talk to my friends. And that's what we've tried to do here. That's what we've tried to build here. And, um, yeah, it's been just completely humbling uh, to see all of these notes. Uh, And then we got this great email from one of our favorite listeners, Coach Billy. And Billy writes, (laughs) I love this. Doug, thanks for a great podcast. You will be missed. You helped me get through this horrible season. If you have any gear, shirts, or anything, send them my way. <laughs> hey, I think we have maybe a stack of 20 or so Kimball Walker All-Star shirts that we can still unload if anyone needs them. Listen, Thanks to our buddy Alan from Frame Warehouse. Go see Frame Warehouse. He sent us a nice text as well. You will be greatly missed, but if I can get some of that gear. <laughs> <laughs> love it! I love the hustle from Coach Billy. It's great. Uh, so thank you, everyone. And again, uh, you know, I'm going to be hanging around producing the show. David's going to come back and guest on the show, and uh, we're all uh, going to help Walker uh, get this thing uh, off to the right start next week. Uh, so make sure you keep that subscription active. Make sure you're supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, all of that money goes to help make this show great. Uh, so uh, thank you again, and uh, let's talk about some of the news going around the Charlotte Hornets right now. Uh, The big story is obviously this coaching search that they are on. Uh, Two episodes ago, we profiled two of the candidates, David Fisdale and Atori Messina. Now we move on to this third rumored candidate, Jerry Stackhouse, former UNC Tar Heel great, uh, made his bones with the Detroit Pistons, Dallas Mavericks, played 19 seasons in the league, was a two-time All-Star in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s. And uh, now uh, he is a head coaching candidate in the NBA, not just with the Charlotte Hornets, David, but also with the Orlando Magic and the New York Knicks have reached out to Stackhouse's uh, representatives. He spent one season on the sidelines with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, That was uh, with Dwayne Casey. That was the year they won 50-plus games, went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then he made his way uh, to a head coaching position with the Raptors D-League team, the Raptors 905 
led them to a G League title and then back to the title game this past season uh, where they did lose, but that's two straight title games for uh, Jerry Stackhouse and the Raptors 905. So, David, first thoughts when you heard that Jerry Stackhouse was a, a possible candidate for this Charlotte Hornets position? Mm. Yeah, first thoughts was that a certain segment of the Hornets fan base would go to instant meltdown if this Explode! were to happen. <laughs> because of the North Carolina ties that you mentioned. Uh, we called it out last week. He was actually roommates with Mitch Kupchak, little known fact uh, that we dug up there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think if you're looking at it from that standpoint, you are overlooking the experience that he's gained, as you mentioned, in the D-League, going to those two back-to-back champion ship games and like you said he's getting looks from a lot of places and I think he's going to be a head coach if not next year then uh, you know by the season after in the NBA he's just kind of on that trajectory so a legitimate coaching candidate and one that I think if you're not not excited about you should look in a little more into what he's done and how he's been preparing to be a head coach because I think he's going to be there yeah, I think they're going to appreciate Stackhouse's uh, his competitive fire, his competitive nature. He looks, he just has the look of of an NBA coach. When he's, yeah. I've seen some footage of him on the sidelines for the Raptors nine hundred five position, and seen some some of the huddles, and he does sort of pass the the eye test, the mm-hmm. smell test, whatever sense test, probably not the taste test, but he he looks like an NBA head coach, and and it feels like. Uh, he's confident on that sideline and talking to these young players. And that's not a surprise, right? Again, he played 19 seasons in the league. It is a surprise from this respect. I found a, a quote from Dwayne Casey, his his uh, former boss there in Toronto, who said he didn't really expect Stackhouse uh, to, to pursue coaching, uh, but uh, that's what Stackhouse wanted to do. And he says he's modeled his game a lot after Casey, or his coaching style a lot after Casey, after Tom Thibodeau, that's very, it's very uh, a lot of Steve Clifford connections there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, his his coaching style is a lot of focus on the defensive end of protecting the rim, allowing perimeter jump shots, uh, protecting the rim at all costs. So that's a little if you if you didn't like that about Steve Clifford, which I know there's a subset of the fan base that did not, then that could I think discourage you a little bit away from Jerry Stackhouse. But I think most of the people that will be discouraged about this Stackhouse pick will be discouraged because it is a it is a Carolina connection. And that would make a owner, general manager, and a coach with the Carolina connection. And I've seen, David, you uh, want them to go all out, get Rashid yeah. on the sideline. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be, if you're going to lean into it, just lean all the way into this thing. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not past changing the colors, just, just bringing up the uniform of Chapel Hill. No, yeah, make Rashid it, make it amazing. a classic uniform night. Just do, <laughs> just do one of the classic UNC jerseys that, uh, that, uh, Jordan wore. Yeah. Hey, Doug, are you familiar? Did you see this article maybe a year and a half or so ago about Stackhouse and the fact that he's filmed like all of his practices, all of his shoot arounds, all of his games, all of his bus rides. Like going back to his playing days, like he's actually filmed these. He's bought the equipment, got a cameraman, set up the tripod, Whoa. the whole nine, like everything. Yeah, just as a personal video library. There's a New York Times article. Uh, we can link to it. Wow. I'll throw it out there on Twitter. But it, it's 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 interesting read because like there's no plans for Stackhouse the movie 
or any type of memoir. I don't know that he has any plans for it. I assume he's still doing it. I don't know if that'll come up in interview questions, but yeah, he's got like hours and hours and hours of just tape of, of, of video Well, not tape, <laughs> you know, what? he didn't use tape. That, that would be something. Uh, but yeah, video recordings of himself and, and coaching on the sidelines and, and the whole nine. And I think that's what sort of goes to this idea that Stackhouse, while he does not have a ton of NBA coaching experience in the way that a Messina or even a Fisdale has in terms of being on the sideline as an assistant coach for multiple years, he does have this obsessive coaching mindset that you associate with with some of the, the the better coaches in the league. I mean, when you said that, David, the name that popped into my mind was Eric Spolstra, who was yeah. who was the like the tape analytics person yeah. for the Miami Heat before becoming head coach. Right. Somebody that just pours over the footage, is obsessed with learning the game, with understanding the game. And yet I think also everything that you hear from players that have been associated with Stackhouse, his, his former teammates, and also players who have played under him for Raptors 905 or from the Raptors will say Stackhouse is very intense, but he also, yes. and that's very like Tom Thibodeau-like, he's very intense in that way. But at the same time, he has a great way of communicating with players. And the question you want to ask yourself when when determining whether Stackhouse would be a good fit here in Charlotte is really what kind of team that the what kind of team do you think the Hornets will build moving forward? Is it is it going into full rebuild mode? Will there be more younger players over the next few years than proven veterans? And uh, will will this head coach stick around? For, for multiple years. Is, is this, what I'm saying is, the head coach that they're looking for, na- for now, are they looking for a long-term solution or are they looking for a steward of the franchise? And when I think about Jerry Stackhouse, I feel like that's a hire you make for the long-term. You're investing in him just as much as you're investing in, in the rest of the rebuild. Yeah. And I'll tell you the other interesting thing about Stackhouse. I mean, one of the all-time guys you don't want to mess with uh, during his playing days. There's numerous stories about you know him not backing down, going up against the likes of Shaquille O'Neal, everyone from Shaquille O'Neal to Kirk Snyder, and almost uh, any player that 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 uh, you know pissed him off during the during, along the way in his career. So I think he'll he'll bring some of that toughness you know to a young team. And and certainly he's going to want to prove himself once he gets into the league. But a guy that's going to look to instill some of that into his own players and into his own team. Something we also noted about Fisdale, you know, just the the toughness that these guys bring to the table and and trying to get their team, whether it's young or whether they're veterans, to uh, earn that respect, but go out there and take some of it as well. So, like I said, I mean, I think he's he he's gearing up to be. Uh, a head coach in the league. And so it would be interesting. I, I don't think you should be disappointed for this. And if you are, then just kind of get over the Carolina thing, I think. Or, as you said, just embrace the fact that the team should lean into yeah. Maybe grab <laughs> grab a Wes Miller from UNCG or a Shamond Williams, who, according to uh, this article on Fansided, is now an assistant with Western Kentucky, 
after becoming an assistant for Tulane in 2013. So Just call up and down the bench. Call yeah, call up Shimon Williams. How about Scott Cherry? He's the head man at High Point in 2000, or he became the head man for High Point in 2009. Let's do it. George Lynch. How about that name? That's a former former Charlotte Hornet. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. we're gonna take a I mean. we're gonna take a short pause. <laughs> we're gonna come back. We're going to relive some uh, of our favorite show memories. And uh, if you have some, make sure you're uh, tweeting us at Locked On Hornets. Let us know what your favorite show memories are. And if I can find them in the archives, I'll try to dig them up and play them tomorrow as uh, we sign off here this week, our final week as host of Locked On Hornets. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Hornets. And which, what, what I have liked to see a few more shards. Shards? No, I would not have. shards. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here on Locked On Hornets, uh, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. And uh, this is our final week here as a permanent host of Locked On Hornets. Walker Mail from ESPN 730 will take over next week. You heard from him yesterday. Uh, if you haven't, make sure you go back, listen to Tuesday's show uh, because we went through his background and how excited he is to take over. And he's also going to, going to join me on Friday uh, as well. And tomorrow, David, that's going to be your last show. So we'll say we'll say our goodbyes to you tomorrow. Mm. Man, that are you get, is are you crazy getting, to think about. Are you getting emotional? I maybe I am. Maybe I will. We'll maybe uh, before we get to these show memories, there is this bit of news: Coach Clifford is reportedly talking to the Phoenix Suns about their head coaching position. Interesting, right? I mean, yeah, not the certainly stark contrast to what's going on here in, in Charlotte with like a, a younger team. A budding superstar there in Booker, uh, but but another team that has had basically zero success uh, since he's been in the league. So that's an interesting one. Maybe looking for a little uh, establishing a little I don't know a veteran coach presence. I heard they also uh, were reaching out to uh, Mike Budenholzer, well. yeah, who yeah. is currently the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. You don't see that very often. A currently seated head coach exploring other options but there have also been reports that Budenholzer not exactly excited to take on the rebuild and when I discussed whether Steve Clifford would be a fit to head a rebuild I often thought of of Mike Budenholzer because I, I just think there are certain coaches that are built to to coach veteran teams that are on the way to winning a championship and other coaches that are better suited to helm a, a rebuild. And and some coaches surprised me in that respect. Like I would not have thought Brett Brown would have stuck it out in, in Philadelphia as long as he has to see the fruits of his labor. But he was obviously a coach that was well suited to deal with, sort of put the fingers in the in the ears and and the the cover over the eyes 
as as the team really struggled to win basketball games because of lack of discipline while you assembled the talent that you needed uh, to do what Philadelphia is doing now. Uh, but talking to Budenholzer, talking to, to Steve Clifford, makes me think that Phoenix, after years and years of losing, is ready to start seriously considering or start to seriously consider contending again. Well, Devin Booker said they're going to he's going to be in the playoffs next year. Uh, with the so, Suns? We don't know. Yeah. With someone. <laughs> well, um, you know, that, that, that's one of those things that goes out on Twitter, and then as soon as you kind of swipe over to see what the replies are, people can't reply fast enough. Is he getting traded in Phoenix? Like, where's he going? So, yeah, he's, he's, they're, they're, they're definitely thinking that way. But here's why that's interesting, David, because whenever people asks, ask me if if the Hornets can move some of these contracts, I say – well, it's going to be very difficult, but around the draft, things get very interesting as teams that have not been in contention for a long time decide, hey, we want to be in contention. We're going to make some moves. You've seen that in the past with Orlando, with Indiana. You also have teams that decide, hey, we've been in contention for a while, and now we're going to hit the reset button. That's what happened with Atlanta. That's how Dwight Howard ended up in Charlotte. If Charlotte decides to become one of those teams during the draft to say, hey, we want to hit the reset button at, at whatever costs that that means, then if Phoenix decides to be a team that says, hey, we want to be in contention, and they hire a Coach Clifford, that could be a perfect match for a future deal, David, is what I'm saying. Oh, I see where you're going. Yeah, for. yeah. I took a while to get there, but I brought I brought you, <laughs> you along the there. journey that's going through my brain right now. It's so crazy to me to think about this team going through another full blown rebuild. And the more I look at it, Doug, I mean, I don't know what you feel about this, but like we've seen Michael Jordan in this position since he's been been back in Charlotte. I mean, in in the ownership position and and the leader of the franchise and. I mean, the more we look at him and the more evidence he gives us and the more we hear about him and, and we know about him. I was going to say, tough to, tough to uh, look at him because he's not around very much, but the more we witness <laughs> yeah, the more his we product. Is, yeah, I just have a hard time believing they're going to go full reset. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what Mitch wants to do. I just like unless MJ is just going to completely change how he's built and maybe he has. I mean, that's part of the learning process of coming in to be an owner, but like like he's suffered through some of these seasons now where they haven't succeeded as they want to. I don't know if he's going to go full rebuild, you know? I mean, I don't know if that's a gut feeling you have or what. Well, the last, you, you know, the last, re- the last rebuild that they tried, they got very bad very quickly. And I think it scared a lot of people in that organization how bad they, historically, they got historically bad. They were the best. They were the best at being bad yes. of all time. And that was not exactly, I mean, it almost killed Charlotte professional basketball. And, and it was an accident. They didn't meet, they wanted to be bad, but they didn't want to be that bad. And then they didn't oh, even yeah. get the, they did not even get the player that they wanted out of that, that any team would have wanted in Anthony Davis. So that, yeah. that, that, that's, that lesson is probably still in their mind that look, you know, being, being it doesn't matter how bad you are and it and by the way 
the odds are only going against you now with these new NBA rules right? and the draft odds at 14% for the top three teams, it's even more of a crapshoot if you get bad. Yeah. So there's a lot to lose, not as much to gain as as we move forward. Uh, so yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of interesting things to discuss. Walker, I told Walker uh, off the air, I'm like, listen, man, you could not be joining this podcast, taking over this podcast at a better time because... <laughs> This is this is so many question marks, so many things to discuss. Think about last season. When we got done with the year, it was a disappointing year uh, uh, the previous season as well. But th- this team was pretty much set. And, and we could go over and say, well, this guy needs to improve in this area. But they were all pretty much slated to return. Uh, this this offseason, anything can happen. Yeah, it really can. And you know what's going to happen now, Doug. I mean, I pretty much decided one – they're going to get the top draft pick. Two, they'll be able to trade for a Kawhi or someone. And then they'll come back with a whole new brand new team and challenge for the top spot in the East. And I I, I think we should take a lot of credit for that. If, you know, after stepping away, this 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 completely changes because this is a full, full-blown rebuild stretching out, you know, anyone touching the franchise. So when that happens, you're welcome, folks. On tomorrow's show, we should make bold predictions. <laughs> for the franchise since it will be you know you, you our last show together we should just make the boldest predictions pod we'll bring out we'll roll out the hot take machine one more time and just make the <laughs> boldest predictions we can for this offseason i think that would be a are good you gonna idea. lease that out to walker the hot take machine or are you gonna keep him it's pretty big are yeah i'll rent uh, yeah i'm going to him? yeah i'm going to rent it to him for sure okay uh i you can't sell that thing uh that's a no that's that's too much of a prize <laughs> i built that i built that with my with my bare hands you are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. David, hey, the show's barely been on. For how are these injuries going to affect the Hornets' ability to beat the Miami Heat? I'm going to go get some more buttermilk while you talk about it. <laughs> get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's go over some show memories. That was one. The hot take machine was a hit. <laughs> Love the hot take machine. What are David? What are your? What are some moments that you think of when you look back at the past uh, three to five years of this show? The first memories that come to mind are the old live shows we used to do. Doug, you know, we, you know, in the early stage of the show, weekly, right? Weekly live shows. We didn't do the daily live shows, but on camera at night. Had our good friend Justin in there with us. Had some PM, special yeah. guests. That's right. So went into the studio and got in front of the camera and, you know, laid some stuff down and put it out there for the people. That was the early stages of this thing. And I always think back to those because that was no that, one, was, a, that was a real grinded out time. No one made me laugh on this show like Justin Thomas. The <laughs> things that Justin Thomas said on this on this program, nothing made me laugh more than more than Justin Thomas. Hands down. Well, let me tell you, I, I have Justin's listening. I'm sure he is. He's still a dedicated listener and a fan and a friend. But uh, I happened to see Justin uh, walking in downtown, uptown, call it what you will, Doug, yesterday. And you ever see like when you when you see two people walking and one person you can tell just has been talking for the last five blocks and the other person has been listening for the last five blocks. <laughs> I can <laughs> tell was, you who Justin just, is right now. <laughs> Justin was laying down some knowledge uh, to his walking buddy. So, and I, I just, I didn't want to interrupt it, but, but I, I really wanted to know what they were talking about. It was either 
Florida State football or something having to do with probably Des Bryant. Des Bryant, Dallas Cowboys, Florida State football. Yep. Uh, or Charlotte Hornets. He loves to talk about the Hornets. Yeah. And, uh, or Harden. Maybe a James Harden in there too. MVP season for him. I know he's excited. That's right. Uh, so some of my uh, favorite moments, obviously eating the chip, eating the hot chip, mm. that was uh, that was an insane moment that we did on camera, and I barely survived it. And uh, Eric Collins coming on the show and judging our Eric Collins competition, uh. even though it's a great memory for me, even though I didn't win, even though Slim Slam never caught on. He he went with yours instead. What was yours? <laughs> you didn't see was, that is how that is uh, how you say hello to your neighbor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, he loved it. He has yet to use it, but I know he's he's saving it for the next playoff run. One thing he did use though was our designation for one of the greatest Hornets games of all time. That mm, overtime yeah. win against Sacramento in Sacramento. Troy Daniels knocking down. Uh, the the three point shot to to help the Hornets win that game, and Eric Collins had one of the greatest calls of all time in Hornets history, and we called it the miracle after midnight because everyone had fouled out. Demarcus Cousins was having a, just a completely all star all time game for them, and then he fouled out, and we get into this overtime game, and I just didn't think the Hornets had any shot at pulling that game out. And they did, and we called it the miracle after midnight. And then Eric Collins proceeded to use that on air, and it was amazing. And he gave and he gave us all the props for it, and that was so cool that we had sort of, you know, we made our small little impact on on Hornets history. Absolutely, and Eric Collins, a great guest of the show. We've had Del Curry on, the the the, the great Steve Martin, all the friends and the special guests we've had on the show is another memory for me. Doug Lee Ellis, our buddy from the starters, Jonathan Abrams, world renowned author. So. We've been able to talk to, to some pretty cool folks. One uh, one person we never got on the show because they blocked us on Twitter was Marco Bellinelli, <laughs> who's playing oh, fan, he's playing fantastically he's in the playoffs going, right now for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. He is, and the other night I don't know if you were watching Game Two, but uh, and I think I'm not sure who the announcer was. Spiro Agnew, no, who was it? Spiro uh, Agnew, former Spiro vice Agnew. president of the United States <laughs> under Richard Nixon. No, I don't think it was him. No. Uh, but he kept he, he was pronouncing uh, Bellinelli Bellinelli. Oh, geez. Yeah, and it was Why? killing me the whole time because because he was shooting like every time down because they were trying to come back and it was like Bellinelli Bellinelli. So listen for that and it'll drive you crazy uh, for Game Three. How about the Miami Heat? By the way, just real quick aside, Miami <laughs> Heat they they get a taste of what they did to the Hornets in that last playoff matchup. They get a taste of that when, when Philadelphia just just throws them a, a right hand that they haven't seen all year and just completely decimates their defense and neutralizes their biggest physical threat on the court in Hassan Whiteside. They just completely Crazy. take him out of the game. And, and they, they also scheme really well against Goran Dragic, and they just take away everything that Miami wanted, they took away in that game one, just like Miami did to Charlotte in that playoff series. They completely took away Kemba and Jeremy Lin and forced everything inside, and the Hornets you know, dropped those first two games by significant margin. But then in game two, they did... Miami did to Philadelphia what they did to Charlotte in that game six. That that really what ended up being, yep. in my mind, the deciding game in that series. And it was Dwayne Wade once again. 
just becoming a, just for one night, becoming uh, everything that he was in his prime. Father right. Prime, and as they here, call him. And here he went head-to-head with Purple Shirt Guy, and in Philadelphia, the Purple Shirt Guy was Kevin Hart. So, I can't think of anyone better to take the crown of Purple Shirt Guy <laughs> than Kevin Hart. <laughs> All right, so Bill and Ellie blocking us. That was a great moment. Uh, you know what? I'm going to reach uh, a few years back when we first started doing daily shows. We called before we even joined Locked On. We yeah. uh, we called them Hive O'Clock Alarms. And really, one of the favorite things I've ever produced for this show is the intro to the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Do you remember this intro? Oh, well, man. if you don't, I, I'm gonna, if you don't, I'm yeah, going to play yeah. it for you. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. And yes, that was me <laughs> voicing because we voiced everything on our own, except for the the one thing we, and I don't have it pulled up now, but the one thing we didn't voice on our own was I got one of my friends from uh, the, the TV station that I used to work for to come in and voice the Cho Nose drop. Joe yeah. knows. Joe knows. <laughs> that was fun. You know, I knew it was a, I could not remember. I knew it wasn't Saved by the Bell, but I knew we used a fantastic 90s sitcom, uh, you know, song in there. And that was from Wake Up San Francisco, I believe, correct? That is correct. That's right. This was also yeah. a great drop. I go to the White House. And of course, we've had a lot of fun with this one. You know who is good at basketball? Michael Jordan. I do. I do have the Cho nose. Cho nose. There we go. That's the one thing that we didn't voice on our own. And then uh, this was a great drop too. Yanni, Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, see, I'm just going to roll through these very quickly. So, David, remember when we were obsessed with the Cheers theme, and that's what that's what uh, hyped us up for whenever the Hornets won. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Man. Yeah, those were good times. A little Friday morning cheers theme just to kick off the weekend. Uh, I might just do that. Exactly. <laughs> now, you have to leave all these for Walker. Teach him how to use them. Uh, Matthew Della <laughs> I'm Kimber Walker, and I approve this message. What are some other good ones? I'm trying to find, I'm trying to like, oh God, we played this one a lot. The guts of a cat burglar. Guts of a cat burglar. I mean, I could play like 90 of these. Um, yeah. These Eric Collins hits. They were so good. All right. That was good. We took a, we took a stroll down memory lane. We'll continue to do that tomorrow. If you got any, if, if you have any specific memories that we forgot, please. Tweet us at Tweet Locked us. on Hornets. Uh, also, Nick Denning combing through Malik Monk's Instagram. That was a fantastic moment on this show. You guys never paying your debts. Classic. That was classic. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, oh, oh, I haven't revealed my probably the favorite thing that I produced on this show. I, I love that intro, but it's not quite the, the, the best thing that I've ever produced for this show. I'll reveal that tomorrow. It's two and a half minutes long. We don't have enough time for oh. it to, right now. Clear your calendar. I'm ready. Yeah. So, so tune in tomorrow for the the best thing that I've ever produced on this show, and it actually happened before we joined Locked On. This was like, I think three years, maybe two or three years ago. And, uh, but yeah, 
uh, thanks for all the support. Thanks for all of the kind words. You know, when we when we jumped from uh, to atthehive.com and then we jumped to Locked On, uh, we we made those changes because we really thought. Uh, it was the best thing for the show, for the listeners to expand our coverage, to make uh, this one of the best places to go for Charlotte Hornets news and analysis. And I promise you in that same way, this, what we're doing now, it, it's the same thing. Like where this is going to make this show even bigger, even better. And uh, uh, I can't wait for everyone to see what the next iteration, I can't wait to see personally. I'm, I'm excited to see what this show turns into. So uh, thanks so much for listening, for supporting the show, uh, here by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, for telling people about us. Thank you so much. And of course, for supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. We're going to be back tomorrow. For more memories and more analysis of your Charlotte Hornets, for David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.